I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, 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 blue this, this is the pod, the pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. The ping pong bongs don't swing our way. What else is new? This is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey, WFB, and original. I'm EJ Stewart. Joined by Tommy Beer. We got plenty to talk about on this episode. We'll be talking about the NBA draft lottery results. The Knicks came in with a slim chance of maybe leaving the draft lottery with a first round pick, but due to the way the ping pong ball swung, uh, Dallas Maverick got to keep their pick, which was owed to the Knicks via the Chris Asporzingis trade. So, the Knicks not having uh, been awarded a first round pick from the lottery now do not have a, a draft pick coming into this year's 2023. NBA draft. So we'll talk about the ramifications of that. We'll also talk about um, some interesting uh, reporting about the future of Mitchell Robinson and some interesting reporting from uh, NBA writer Sean Devaney of Heavy.com regarding how at least one Eastern Conference general manager sees the way the Knicks may uh, may, may approach this offseason when it comes to potentially shopping Mitchell Robinson. And I think we got to get into the job Morant situation uh, John Moran now suspended yet again. We talked about it when he had the first suspension. We had the first incident with uh, the guns. He had another incident this past weekend. Um, he is now suspended pending a league investigation. Adam Silver has has talked about it. He's not very happy with how things have gone down. John Morant releasing a statement. And I think it's it's, it's a good time to probably do a, a true um, kind of you know a look back and wonder if the Knicks perhaps maybe uh, were lucky not to have landed a top two pick in that draft in 2019. So plenty to get to on this episode. Again, my guy Tommy is here. Tommy, was it weird to uh, watch Eastern Conference playoff basketball and see that the Knicks were not a part of it as the Heat and Celtics battle in game one with the Celt- with the Heat uh, winning on the road? Maybe those Heat are pretty good team, huh, EJ? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. we, we, we tend to not, you know, believe our eyes, you know, for a while, yeah. but the, they look pretty good against the Bucks, and they looked good against the Knicks, and, and they outclassed the Celtics last night. It looks like the Heat could be incredibly on their way to another final. Um, but, yeah, it's a little bit of a first week without Knicks basketball, but still plenty to talk about, my friend, so let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. So, yes, is Orange and Blue Bloods. New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey WF and the original, a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time you drop. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. You can find us on the Odyssey Sports channel and the WFAN channel. So let's begin with the draft lottery. So the Knicks will go into this year's NBA draft without a draft pick. 
in either the first or second round. There was a chance the Knicks, again, would be selecting the lottery had the Dallas Mavericks pick landed outside of the top 10. Knicks had secured a top 10 projected pick from the Mavericks thanks to the Chris Porzingis trade. However, Dallas landed the 10th spot on Tuesday, so the Knicks uh, pick from the Mavs now gets deferred to next season as a top 10 projected pick. The Knicks sent their own pick, which was slotted now at 23 after the results of this past regular season. Uh, that pick was sent to Portland in the Josh Hart trade earlier this year. So, uh, Tommy, when it comes to this uh, draft lottery, I want to begin with the fact that Dallas Mavericks got to keep their pick. I don't know. I'm sitting there. I'm watching the draft. I see, you know, I guess with Nico Harrison, I think it was up there. Um, and then and that that pick goes to 11. And I see it's not Dallas or the Knicks or whoever they would have put on the uh, on the graphic. And, you know, I got sent back to that end of the regular season where the Dallas Mavericks, who were in position to make the play in potentially had they played out the string, uh, essentially quit on the season and, and they kind of secured themselves a, a spot in that top 10. And I still feel like the NBA should have voided that pick. I think that it's a disgrace that uh, Dallas was able to earn a top 10 pick via that kind of nonsense that happened at the end of the season. Do you feel the NBA made a mistake with how that whole situation went down? Uh, at the time, I didn't think so. And I, and I still, I, I, I think probably stripping them of a first round pick would have been a little harsh. Obviously there was the, the hefty fine. I'll just say this yep. in terms of, of, the, the big picture. You mentioned Nico Harrison was on the dais there. Where he wasn't uh, was was watching his team in the postseason. And and right. I, this is something I've, that I've talked about, you know, kind of over the last couple of weeks, and I thought it was kind of solidified and got some pushback from Mav fans, obviously. But the Heat and the Lakers are two of the final four teams. You know, the Heat are, are now one, three games away from the finals after, after yep. winning game one. Both of those teams came, it, it had to survive the play-in tournament. They yeah. qualified for the play-in tournament that the Mavericks deemed unworthy of them or, you know, not worth pursuing. Um, and, and both of those two and two of the final four teams in the league, the Heat may go from the play-in tournament to the NBA finals. Um, you know, you're telling me that, listen, they had some breaks go their way. Giannis injures his back. And, and but, you right. know, and, but all things considered, they, they, they came together at the right time. They built some momentum. They got hot. They had a, a, a fortunate path. Um, you know, uh, to, to the uh, to the postseason uh, towards the, the playoff picture. You're trying to tell me that a team with Luka Doncic and a healthy Kyrie Irving couldn't have done the same. I, I, listen, it, they were against the odds, um, you know, but what happens if they play the Nuggets in round one and Jokic injures his ankle in game two and misses four yeah. playoff games? Like all these things are the odds are, are stacked against you, obviously. But the point is, when you have a generational talent like Luka Doncic and you trade a first-round pick a month before you decide to quit on the season for Kyrie Irving, who's hit some of the you know biggest – for all the foibles and flaws in Kyrie, we've talked about him, put him in a playoff yeah. game, dude can score 35 and it, oh, yeah. blindfolded. Um, so for all those reasons – um, yes, the the Mavs got to got to keep their the tenth overall pick in a decent draft. That's a little bit top heavy. They didn't yes. move up. They you know I you know they didn't they don't they're not getting Wembyana. They're not getting Scoot Henderson. They're not getting one of the yeah. Thompson brothers. Um, so for all those things, I, I just think 
you know, if there's, a, you know, basketball gods and karma and all that stuff, how does Luca feel about his team forcing him to quit on him when they need him to re-sign a contract eventually somewhere down the road? What happens with Kyrie this summer? Yeah. Uh, how do they kind of reconstruct that roster? Is the 10th overall pick going to make or break the, the the future of the franchise? I don't know. You know, I, I will just say that there's that – um, uh, while some folks say, ah, you know, the, the Mavs have to be ecstatic. They kept their 10th pick. I just, let's, let's look at the big picture. Let's wait a couple of years and see how this all plays out. My thought at the time was it was a shameful, you know, decision, um, against the, just the integrity of the sport. Um, yeah. it was a bad decision from a franchise standpoint, even despite the fact that they kept their, their first round pick. Again, it's not like it transfers the two, uh, second rounders next year. The Knicks are still going to get what the 18th overall pick, the 21st overall pick next right. season. Are you guaranteed that the 10th player picked in 2023 is better than the 23rd overall? You know, right. there's, yeah. there's a lot of variables there. So I just, I just thought, um, at the time, and I think just the fact that the Lakers and the Heat, yeah. well, again, obviously the, the Lakers have a, they were, they, they were, uh, the first half of the season, they played poorly. They, the, the, the trades kind of transferred things, but again, the, the, the opportunities to, you had a chance to get a ticket into the dance and you quit on the, on the season. Um, and we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, it is interesting how you got two play in tournament teams first time to go on this far into the into the playoffs. And now again, you got the Heat three games away from the NBA finals. And when you consider how great Jimmy Butler has played, the star player that he is, and how he's been able to carry his team throughout the postseason, you kind of wonder, you know, the way Luka Doncic uh, can get on the heater. Like, hey, couldn't he have maybe made on a, went on a run like that now for Dallas and where they would have been slotted? You know, they would have been the 10th team or the 19th to get in. So, they're seeing the Nuggets in the first round if they win. So, uh, may, are they beating the Nuggets in the first round? Uh, that, that might be a little bit of a tall task, considering what we. But seen. but uh, I'll just say this, EJ. Did anyone have? Did anyone on earth have the Heat beating the Bucks in the first round? Right. Exactly. Nobody. No. Nobody. Uh, so, and the Heat are playing it. The Heat are in the conference finals, and what ESPN said, they had a three percent chance right, to, right. to win. So even now, they're still being uh, discounted. So yeah, yep. anything can happen once you get to the postseason. So. Yeah, that so that decision I think also was was questionable. I, I don't know. I just I think to me, yes, some of it is spitefulness because the Knicks you know, I thought should have gotten a lottery pick this year, given how things worked out. Dallas had screwed themselves and put themselves in a position where um, they were not one of the worst ten best teams really from right. this NBA season, and they kind of gained the system to put themselves in that spot because they didn't want to lose. A draft pick, a pick like you said, they're going to lose most likely anyway. So, so for me, I just thought for the NBA standpoint, you, they should have sent a message. It should have been, "Hey, this is we're not going to allow a team to discount the play-in tournament the way the, the Dallas Mavericks did ever again. We're not going to allow teams to, uh, uh, you know, finagle with lottery protections and, and the odds in this way ever again. And we're going to make sure um, that the integrity of the playoffs is not is untouched." So, I, I thought there was a missed opportunity by the NBA. I think the fact that uh, the NBA, you know, had a you know a fine for the Mavericks, and then we kind of all forgot about it. And to me, I kind of forgot about it until we got to um, that draft lottery on Tuesday, and I'm reminded, you know, that you know the Knicks can get a top ten pick, or a top you know 14, 11 to 14 pick, but it's going to take a lot of luck for that to happen. And that was, of course, because of the moves the Dallas Mavericks made at the end of the season. So the Knicks now come into this draft without a draft pick. Um, their second round pick they shipped out. Um, I think I don't know if I forgot what trade it was, but they shipped that out. So they don't have a second round pick this year. First round pick that they have their own 
was sent in the Josh Hart trade. That is now the 23rd pick. Do you think the Knicks will regret coming into this draft without a draft pick? They were at the combine until Tom Thibodeau was at the combine yesterday on Wednesday. I don't. Um, I think I thought the Josh Hart trade was a brilliant trade. Um, obviously, paid huge dividends for the Knicks over the second half of the season. First round against Cleveland. Hart didn't play as well against Miami, um, but he's a Nick. You know, he's he's a Nick guy. Um, you know, a, a perfect fit for the city for the franchise. Um, there's, I, I shouldn't say there's no chance. There's very small chance that the player you pick at number twenty three um, would have the type of career, let alone you know in the near future or down the road. Impact, yeah. As Josh Hart, um, so you know for that reason, um, and and the other and the other the, the other thing to, to remember is that the Knicks don't have a trade as of to, the Knicks don't have a draft pick as of today. They could easily buy their way into the second round. Um, yep. They could trade multiple second rounders for a first rounder this year. They could also, if they like. Um, Trading the late first round. We've seen teams, you know, essentially sell, you know, late first rounders. Um, the Knicks have multiple seven first rounders over the next 11 years. They can trade, you know, yeah. two future protected picks for one or uh, pick next year for, the, you know, one of the protected picks they have for, for a pick in the late 20s. And that's really where the Knicks um, have been successful. Uh, Emmanuel Quickly, 25th overall pick. Quentin Grimes, 25th overall pick. Um, these were guys that... Um, you know, kind of had you know, had lost their luster a little bit, weren't viewed as top tier blue chip prospects, um, yeah. despite their pedigree being, you know, really high, high quality, uh, high, highly rated high school players uh, coming out of high school, um, going to blue chip programs, you know, playing for quality coaches that prepare you for the NBA, Kelvin Sampson, you know, and, and obviously quickly at Kentucky. Um, so there's, there, there, you know, I, I have faith in the Knicks front office uh, to make the right decision. If they are targeting a guy, um, you know, late twenties, early thirties, early twenties, even um, I think they have the, the draft capital. They have the ammunition to, to, to get in there and get that player. Um, and, uh, or, you know, and, and maybe somebody slips in the second round that they like. So um, the Knicks, uh, you know, Jericho Sims was, was a, you know, the second yeah. to last pick of the second round, they can get a, you know, easily get another late second rounder. Um, so a lot of credit to the Knicks, um, you know, front office, uh, and behind the scenes guys that have, uh, you know, d d really done a, a solid job in terms of draft evaluation. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I agree. First of all, when it comes to Josh Hart trade, and I know there are some fans that you know kind of saying oh well, you know it was the worst trading for josh hart for that first round pick yes the short answer yes you know people asking questions yes it was worth trading a first round pick to get josh hart the 23rd pick in this draft not having that pick 
and having a guy who was able to contribute as much as they did, not only in the regular season, but remember also how he played in the first round of the playoffs. Yes, he didn't play well against the Heat, but the Knicks won a round the playoffs for the first time in eight years or to what, 10 years almost in part because of what, how Josh Hart played. So you have to give him credit. You have to give Leon Rose credit for making a good move. Now they got to sign him. Like right. I think that that's a big deal. Like you got to be yep. able to keep him. You don't want to necessarily uh, lose a guy like Josh Hart and give up a first round pick for essentially a, you know, two, three month rental. Right. But I, I would think the Knicks are smart enough to know that they're not going to allow that to happen. Like they're not going right. to allow themselves to, 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 to lose a first round pick for a guy they only had for a couple of months. So if Josh Hart is signed for the next three or four years, which I think everybody is expecting, then no, I don't think you could look at this draft and say, oh, well, there was a lot of, uh, you know, guys that they could have got 23 that the Knicks will, you know, desperately miss because they don't have Josh Hart. And you got to hope the Knicks actually pick the right guy. Like, I think yeah. that when you look at the drafts in recent years, the Knicks have actually been one of the few teams that have actually hit on some of these late first-round picks. A lot of these drafts have been kind of very hit or miss over the last several years, especially when you get beyond kind of the top 15. So the chances that you actually get a guy who can come in and contribute and play at a high level and, and be as uh, as solid as Josh Hart is very slim. It's, it's got to be real. It's a very slim chance. So I, I have no problem to met with the uh, with the Knicks not having uh, a first round pick this year. Is it you know annoying? I mean a little bit. I love the NBA draft, as you know. I do a bunch of draft coverage and I, and I follow these guys all year. So the fact that you know. As of right now, it's hard for me to really speak about players with the Knicks in this draft because they don't have a pick. Uh, I know there have been guys who have interviewed with the Knicks. Austin Jackson of uh, of UConn said he interviewed with Knicks. So Knicks are talking to people. So if they like a guy, they'll go see if they can try to get him. But um, I can't sit this, sit here and say, oh, well, they've made a, a crucial error coming into this draft without a draft pick. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, again, you, the good point, though, I, I should have mentioned as well. They got to lock up uh, Josh Hart uh, this summer, and I think they will. But uh, that, that is an important factor in the equation. So the way this lottery played out, you had Tor- uh, the, the San Antonio Spurs coming away with the number one pick, which will almost all but certainly be Victor Wimbenyama, the seven foot five forward slash center out of uh, out of France, who probably definitely the biggest prospect and the best prospect to come into the draft since LeBron James. Some will say, and I, I would agree with them, maybe the best prospect beyond even LeBron James. That's how, um, that's how, how impressive this kid is. Seven foot five can shoot the three ball can handle like a guard. I mean, I've never seen a player like Victor Wembanyama. So you have um, him at, at likely on number one. Then the way the lottery slide out the top four picks, uh, Charlotte got the second pick. Uh, Portland got the third pick, and then um, uh, the fourth. Uh, excuse me, Portland got the third pick, and the fourth pick went to the Houston Rockets. The way the lottery played out, do you think there's an opportunity for the Knicks to maybe make a trade, a blockbuster trade that could get themselves into this lottery? Given how some of these players uh, shook out, I think a lot of people I've seen talking about Portland and saying, "Hey, that's a team that needs some help immediately." You would think if they're trying to. Uh, keep Dame Lillard around. I don't know why they'd want to do that, but it, you know they, they have a real relationship between the Blazers and 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 Dame. A lot of loyalty there. So could the Knicks be interested in maybe getting into that lottery and maybe offloading uh, one of their you know ace guys, a Julius Randle potentially in a deal like that? Do you see a blockbuster potentially given how the lottery results shook out for the Knicks? 
Yeah, I, I obviously think it's highly unlikely, but if there's one spot, and, and people have mentioned, as you mentioned, it, that Portland is the place. It, it sounds like they're, um, at the very least, going to let it be known that they will listen to offers for the number three pick. Um, yeah. And again, it seems like we've been here last offseason, the offseason before, the offseason prior to that. Do they build around Dame? Can they build a championship team with Dame? Should they unload Dame? And, you know, you would think this would kind of be the a pivot point for the franchise. You know, listen, you'd sit down with Lillard and say, Look, we love you. We love your loyalty. Yeah. We're loyal to you as well. Um, but it's probably best for the franchise and the player for, to part ways now. We have this top three pick, whether it's Scoot Henderson, whether it's Brandon Miller. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get one of those guys, build around them, Anthony Simons and, you know, some some other shade on Sharp. And then, you know, Dame will sh ship you out for multiple first round picks or a young player that's on the same timeline as as these young guys. Um is Lillard willing to do that? Is that something they're interested in? If not, then you, I guess you have to consider trading that number three pick for somebody that's going to help you right now. If you don't feel like, um, you know, Henderson or, or one of the other guys that that you're going to bring in, you know, they obviously have a loaded backcourt um, with Simons and and, and Lillard. Um, so maybe the, the wing is the guy they go for. You know, we'll see how how it plays out. But I think that's certainly a, a conversation worth having. Um, and we'll see if there's uh, some smoke or some fire in the days, weeks leading up to the, to the draft. Yeah, I mean, I think that that Portland situation is something to follow. I, yeah. I think that the Blazers are a team that is in a bit of a crossroads. Like, they got to make a decision this season. Like, to go another season not doing anything significant. And I, I'll say this. I actually did like their moves last offseason. I thought bringing Jeremy Grant was a good move. I thought that yep. they did a good job of improving the athletic profile of the team. They were very unathletic team the last two or three years. So, I thought they made the right tweaks to try to make them a – compelling team this year a team that maybe could surprise people it just did not work out injuries didn't uh didn't didn't go in their favor as well so uh now you're coming to another season Dame is a year older you they gotta do something so whether it is trading for stars or whether it's you know saying okay their full you know rebuild has begun and we're going to ship Dame out of here one of those decisions has to be made and I think if they do decide we're going to try to use this number three pick for a star I would be almost stunned that they didn't call the Knicks about Julius Randle. Like, just to me, like, um, the ability to get a 25 and 10 guy who is on a really good contract, who has this kind of weird relationship with the fan base in the city. I, I've always felt that, like, Julius Randle doesn't necessarily love being a Nick. I think that he would be totally fine if he ever got traded. I think he likes Tom Thibodeau. I think he likes Le uh, Leon Rose and World Wide West. I think he loves James Dolan. I don't think he loves everything that comes with being a Nick and, and the Nick fans and things like that. So um, I, I would be I'd surprised like, if Portland I, didn't at least call the Knicks. I'd like a head coach if you let me do whatever I wanted to do. And, and quit <laughs> oh, yeah. Do, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but, yeah, listen, that's the thing we've talked about with the, 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 the team. If, if you're the Knicks, you hope a team falls in love with the regular season Julius Randle. And, and right. there's reasons and, – and we've talked about it. There's reasons that this player has value. Really team uh, – relative uh, – Somewhere between a really good and a great contract in terms of value, 50th yeah. overall player, one of the, you know, all NBA player making, you know, 50th in the league in, in terms of annual salary. And then, you know, you you, you have Dame, so you don't have to worry about the postseason. So that's. The yeah. Kind of oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So like that, that, that fit just always. And that's why it was talked about last offseason. I think mean, yeah. was such a bad year that, you know, the, the Blazers weren't interested and that's why they went to Jeremy Grant. Um, and I think it will probably be talked about again. I think from a Knicks standpoint, 
it would have to take well number one you got to take salary back so who are you getting back in a deal from portland that would be the question what i was thinking was this a sign and trade with jeremy grant sign with jeremy grant right i mean that would just be perfect because then you get you get grant who's a stretch for a really talented underrated player um and 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 the pick and you know if if blazers feel like they're going to lose grant anyway then maybe and again you know the thing with you know you're looking for a team that you know can focus on the regular season, Randall, because they want to get to the playoffs. You know the the, the right. Blazers are—it's not like championship or bust. They want to—you know—they were obviously in the you know, number the lottery team this year. You can you get a guy that gives you 25, 10, and five on a nightly basis, get you to the to the to the regular season, and then he'll fall in line behind Dame. Dame is the alpha; he's the guy um, in the postseason. There's no question about it. And and Randall can, can just kind of chip in and fill in, um, you know, in the postseason. Uh, and let Dame take all the big shots. So I, I think there's 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 some interest there. I, I think it would make sense for for both sides. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, there's a framework there. I think yeah. it it becomes complicated. I think when it comes to what a deal for Grant becomes, like what kind of contract right. he gets, because I right. I would think that if you're making this trade, you're trying to start Obi Toppin. So if you're bringing in Grant, how much money are you paying for? You know, kind of a six man backup combo forward, like you know, because I'm sure he'd want what he's worth and he's averaged to over 20 points last few seasons like yeah no um, no he's a starter my my thought was right, that so maybe, then, my, my thought process was maybe you send ob elsewhere in like a three as part of a three-team deal you know uh-huh. like because i because again if you if you bring in grant that means you're signing him to a long term i assume you're signing to like three or four year deal yeah um and you're gonna have to make a decision on ob soon so maybe you kind of cut cut the cord now yeah and then you have the number three pick and i think what happens in the draft will also probably be determinative as well because it's you know who's yep. available who what player makes sense i mean now i think that some of these guys it's, it's the knicks are in a good position because this is a top heavy draft so let's yes. say you do say okay we're gonna send Obi topping out well maybe uh okay like jarris walker from from um from houston makes sense he's a, a physical combo for really good defender really good athlete uh improving shooter you know maybe it's a cam whitmore from uh villanova another combo forward more of a three, but but can play some a small ball four. Like I think the you know of course if Brandon Miller slides to you at three, then you know now you got a six foot nine uh, lethal shooter. So I also am curious what player would make sense for the Knicks at three to essentially accept your probably slight downgrade from from Julius Randle to Jeremy Grant. That I think will also be would be an interesting thing to follow. Uh, just personally for you, yeah. Uh, roster fit everything you're starting a franchise from scratch you have nobody on your roster is your after when do you have henderson or miller or thompson or, so, or somebody else what's your I, i'd have i have scoot too i know okay. brandon miller is kind of leaked for a lot of people you know some people he's slid because of the the, the, the gun stuff with yeah. uh, in alabama but i'd have scoot still too i think brandon miller's three um i i I, I, and that fourth spot, I think, is interesting. I mean, I, I really liked Walker from Houston. I know the Thompson twins uh, are crazy athletic. Amin has had a great handle. He's a great passer. I, I'm just – that's the shots for both of them are just – I'm very skeptical. It's going to take a while, I think, for those guys are, are, are real players. It's I agree with you. Be able to score. Right, right. I agree with you with Scoot at two. I'm surprised so many people have Miller yeah. ahead of him. But do you think there's a big drop-off uh, between – three and then everyone else you know yes. the top yeah one, I, I, two three and then everyone else yeah i think the top three guys i think vim Miyama's in a class of his own i yes. think two and three i think are, are fairly close between scoot and brandon miller i think once you okay. get past three 
it is a drop off. I, I think it. that you can still get a good player. Um, yes. I really like Anthony Black from Arkansas, but and at Taylor Hendricks, I think maybe you know he's not necessarily a a he's not necessarily a, you know a mystery guy anymore. I think a lot of people are realizing, hey, this guy maybe he needs to go in the top five. But um, he he's a guy in, in some ways. I, I've looked at him and the Knicks did get a pick in the first round. Uh, I thought that maybe he would have been the perfect replacement for Obi Toppin because essentially he is the player the Knicks are trying to make Obi Toppin into this stress four right, right. guy that stands in the corner who can shoot threes. So like. They, they are good players. I just think when you get past three, it, it's, it's yeah. an entirely this, different draft. This, I think this is one of those drafts where you ask 10 different GMs, you can have, you know, somebody will have somebody at four, somebody will have them at eight, somebody will yeah. have them at six, somebody, you know, like all those guys are, are, I don't want to say interchangeable, but based on preference and roster composition, all that stuff. And last thing quickly on the lottery, how do you expect the <clears throat> Wimbayama to Spurs fit to go? I love it. Um, just as a basketball fan, obviously I'm rooting yeah. for one by Yana. Fascinated to see how this thing plays out. Um, you know, I just, as you met, I personally, um, I, I would have LeBron as a better prospect, you know, in terms of, you know, durability and just the higher floor and an insane ceiling. <laughs> Maybe the big right. greatest player of all time, you know, like, so yeah. for those reasons, I, I thought he was a little, you know, like the, you know, pre, you know, the internet, I want to say pre-internet, but pre-social media age. It was like you had to like read about this guy in papers and watch a game every once in a while. Like there weren't as many highlights and stuff. Um, all that said, uh, I, I really like the fit in San Antonio. Obviously, Popovich um, has had success with you know, French players, Tony Parker and Boris Diaw, and this strong yeah. relationship there. Um, uh, and just the, just the, the organization understands how to develop a young transit, you know, you know, franchise altering talent, um, a, a big man. So I think it's a good fit. They're not going to push him too hard. They're going to give him, you know, they, you know, they're not worried about him, you know, you know, winning. He'll, he's going to win rookie of the year, all that other stuff. They're not going to force him to play 82 games and, and pack the house every night. Um, bring him along slowly um, and just kind of let him develop at his own pace. Yeah. Honest. Spurs, man, they, they really, it's like, some people, how did they get so lucky? I mean, you had David Robinson in 87, then Tim Duncan in uh, 97, and then now with the Yama in 2023. It's like and all bigs, too. It's like crazy. Like, it's like as soon as I saw how the top four shook out with Spurs being in there, it just seemed like it made too much sense for him to, to be a Spur. And it was funny. Uh, I saw Fred Katz was in the room when the numbers were being drawn. He said that the Spurs not only won the first drawing, then they got the next two drawings because, uh, you know, there are a bunch of combinations that can come up that will come up a certain team. So they had to keep drawing to just get a team beyond the Spurs. So it seemed like it was destiny that the Spurs absolutely were going to get that number one pick. And some people say something else, but I would say just destiny that they were going to get number one pick. Yeah, I, I think it's a great fit for, for Victor. Um, it's interesting. I, I've been actually really critical of Greg Popovich and the Spurs front office because I think they've kind of run their organization into the ground really since the Kawhi Leonard trade like that trade wasn't good and then a lot of the moves and draft picks they've made since then have not worked so yep. in some ways this feels like a lifeline to them and I think they're going to be having the last laugh because I, I think Wimbayama is the real deal you can never really just you know uh look at health and you don't really know what's going to happen you look at his body you look how tall he is and, and you say okay there are obvious things that maybe come up as red flags but this is a guy who played Every game in his French league, like this guy missed no games. He's been very durable uh, early on in his career. So we'll see how it goes. But and the only thing on the on the on the LeBron comparison, because I feel like people are like kind of missing the point when they say like best prospect. Because to me, I I would agree that LeBron was more hype 
because you know ESPN games, Sports Illustrated covers, things of that nature. But I think I think the way I'm viewing as best prospect is they're saying, okay, if LeBron James was in high school and this kid was playing at the same time LeBron James was playing, who'd be number one pick? I think this kid would be the number one pick. Like I think that he would be the seven foot five, three point shooter with his crazy handle, the way he plays, like we've never seen. I think that LeBron would go number two. That is, I think, the difference. I don't think that people think that there's more hype behind this kid regarding like the media attention. I just or pressure even. But I yes. think it's it's actual player. Yeah, I, I personally would go LeBron. Listen, you can't go wrong either way. I just think the combination right. of size, strength, passing ability. That's the thing. Uh, I mean, I if you watch some of those highlights, you know, like the way he sees the floor, he's a savant. Like he's a basketball yeah. oh, genius. Yeah. The, the likes of which we'll never see. And just uh, just the the, the the thing on one by on that scares me, the history of players over 7'1", 7'2", 7'3", and foot yeah. injuries and, and long-term, that just scares me to death. So I, I hope that, you know, when by on is the exception of the rule, I, there's never been a player that's been able to survive five years, 10 years in the NBA, um, let alone 20 like LeBron. And 20 is obviously LeBron's the outlier. But I just think, um, and he didn't know that going in, but I just I just thought LeBron was the, the best pro- you know, the, the, the The argument for when by on is he doesn't have a single hole in his game. I mean, he can yeah. shoot. LeBron wasn't a great shooter coming in. Um, he felt he would work on it. Obviously, he's improved it, but um, you can't go wrong with either guy. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Spurs definitely lucking out with getting that number one pick. So uh, let's just get here and talk about the John Moran situation. So he's suspended again pending a league investigation after he was seen on Instagram live flashing what appeared to be a gun this past weekend. This is the second time Moran has been suspended for brandishing a gun on IG Live. He was suspended eight games, suspended weekend at a Florida rehab facility after he streamed himself partying in a strip club while waving a gun outside of a, uh, of Denver in, in March. And now you have this recent incident where he's also seen on IG Live flashing a gun. Morant was the second pick in the 2019 NBA draft, one spot behind Pelicans forward Zion Williamson and one spot ahead of Knicks forward R.J. Barrett. So um, I do want to ask you how you feel about what Jaws going through and and how the NBA got to handle it. But first, do you think that at this point, when we look at where the draft is, the Knicks were fortunate not to land one of those top two picks when it comes to John Moran and, and the issues that Zion Williamson dealt with? Yeah. Listen, obviously it's tough to speculate. Um, you know, would Zion stay healthy if he was a Nick? Um, would John, would John Morant be in more trouble if he came to the big apple, you know, as, as an, obviously there's a kid with terrible decision, his difficulty, you know, issues with maturity, um, yeah. decision-making is awful surrounding himself with the wrong people. Um, so yeah, listen, you know, from that respect, um, you know, it's, it's hindsight's 2020, but you have to be happy with the, the I think that was the, was one of the selling points for, for Barrett was, you know, this is, a kid that's you know uh, you know you know his parents met at St. John's has been in the spotlight all his life since high school number yeah. one rated you know sophomore and junior and you know national you know star for for Canada um, and he's really lived up to the hype and, and delivered uh, since arriving so there's there's a lot to like there obviously yeah it's it's a it, it's tough because we we know I mean Zion and Ja Morant have more talent than R.J. Barrett that's that's yes. without question. But it just seems like there's other things with these guys. And and these guys, both of them, seem to be struggling with the pressure of what came with being the number one number two pick in that draft. So if you add if you have that pressure in New Orleans and Memphis, what does that pressure look like in New York City with Nick mm-hmm. fans? Like that that's a whole different deal. And you mentioned you talk about John Moran coming to the Big Apple. And when you when you said that, the first thing I thought about 
are very different gun laws in New York. I mean, yeah, is John yeah, Moran yeah, yeah. facing serious legal situations because if he really loves guns as much and then he's a gun enthusiast or whatever he's going through, like, you know, if he's doing this in New York, it, are these investigations or are these things becoming a lot bigger than they already are um, uh, for John in Memphis and wherever he's been, you know, Colorado's other state where he was showing flashing a gun. So that, that, that becomes an interesting thing as well. Uh, I think that at this point, I'm, I'm, I can't look at that draft right now and say, oh, like the Knicks really missed out. And I really wish they would have gotten them to be. Maybe that was true. And maybe it will be true. Those guys still have a, a plenty of career ahead of them, you would hope. But right now, today, like I, I don't necessarily um, feel like I, I, I'm, I'm clamoring to have Ja or Zion Williamson at the face of my franchise right now. And the other thing is, you know, listen, when Porzingis, then it was viewed as a three-player draft and the Porzingis draft, you know, right. with uh, with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns and, and Okafor. Everyone thought Okafor yep. was going to be a stud. And Porzingis, I thought he was uh, great. you know, so it's, it's it, it, goes, it just goes to show you, you it, it's it's an inexact science, uh, to, to say the least. How do you think the NBA handles the uh, the, the job suspension or, or how this whole thing plays out? I think they come down heavy and I think they should. Um, I thought they gave him kind of the benefit of the doubt and said, listen, we'll give you one more chance. And he, and he blew that chance um, a few months later. Um, a few things, um, uh, which all can be true. Um, I think uh, let's keep the person in mind. Uh, I understand yeah. the anger at, at John Morant, but this is to me, it's kind of a cry for help. Um, you know, this, this kid is clearly troubled in, in some way, shape or form. He's willing to throw away literally hundreds of millions of dollars, um, to look cool or you know, portray a character on IG live and social media. Um, there's issues there. Um, hopefully he gets the, 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 the help he needs. That being said, that doesn't excuse the actions, um, cause they're inexcusable. Yeah. Um, NBA has to send a strong message here. Um, this is the kid that they want to be a face of the franchise. And, um, you know, and, and the other thing is, you know, JJ Reddick getting grief for, um, I also tweet a little bit about it as well. Um, the, the, the hypocrisy and the incongruence between, uh, elected officials and politicians sending out Christmas cards with weapons of war, um, yep. you know, AK-15s and, and just, 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 you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we won't get too deep into that. Um, but there's, there's no denying the hypocrisy there, but again, all that, all that being said, as far as in NBA in particular, they have to address this. They have to address it strongly. Um, I think 40 games, 30 games, 25 games, 25 to 50 games, somewhere in that range is, is, is what we're looking at, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. I think something north of 20 to 25 has to be uh, the, the, the the line here, as you gave him eight the first time. Yeah. And I, I, I understand where J.J. Redick and other – pundits and people commenting on this are, are saying i understand the dichotomy i understand the the racial dynamics that come with this as well i do think that what concerns me about so much of the attention on the um the hypocrisies is the lack of concern for Josh's safety with what he's doing like yeah. what i keep yeah. hearing is so many people being like well if he did nothing illegal why is he getting in trouble and i'm like why are people so concerned about him getting in trouble I'm concerned right. about him saving his life. I'm concerned about how he's going to save other people's lives, potentially, if he's being so cavalier with firearms. And if the way to get to him is to say, hey, you got to sit down and we're going to take away some money and take away uh, some gains from you in order to understand the, the brevity of what he's actually doing, then, then that's great because it may actually save some lives. It may save his own life. It may save his own career. 
the the best piece of advice I heard was a caller who called into NBA radio, the, the morning show, um, yeah. and said, don't go to a rehab and all that stuff is great. Have John Morant spend a month with Jason Williams, not the white chocolate, right. the, the former net Jason Williams, yeah. who shot his limo driver, um, obviously ended his life, ended Williams' career. Um, that's the type of thing when you mess around with guns. Um, the vast majority of casualties are accidental, um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, when, when you're with friends and, and things along those lines. Um, all that all that considered, um, it's clear, Morant, to your point, just doesn't understand the ramifications of of messing and it's silly, ignorant yeah. stuff, and and it's 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 dangerous. Yeah, and 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 we could say, well, what, what if you don't? What if you don't know the guns were loaded? All right, it's all right. Well, so what if someone sees you in a car waving a gun? Yeah. What if it's a cop who sees you waving yep. a gun? How do you know that you don't have a cop that maybe has a quick trigger and wants to maybe rectify a situation? How do you know you're not uh, bringing uh, maybe bad elements into your life, into your cruise uh, life? with how you're playing around in public with guns, like that doesn't bring uh, anything positive. So that's the, that's the concern I have. And, and I understand the, the hypocrisies, but I think that a lot of people are missing the boat when it comes to why a jaw has to serve a, a long suspension in my eyes. And he has to see the, the ramification of his actions through some form of strong punishment. Um, I, I want to wrap the show uh, quickly talking about um, this important offseason the Knicks have with at least one Eastern Conference GM thinking that the team could be willing to move on from its defensive anchor in order to land a coveted star. So the NBA exec talked to NBA writer Sean Devaney of Heavy.com. He says that the Knicks could use Mitchell Robinson as an asset in a bigger trade. The GM said they have felt out the market on him because he is an old school kind of center, good rim protector and rebounder, but he does not want to shoot past three or four feet. And he's not much of a passer. The Bulls have some interest, but it's doubtful that would come back up. Dallas, too, but again, there's no pieces that match up. There's not much of a market there for him, so he is their guy. They could move him along if it is part of a bigger package, though. So Mitch is heading into the second year of a four-year $60 million contract that he signed this past offseason. Tommy, do you think the Knicks uh, will look or should look to shop uh, Mitchell Robinson uh, this offseason? Yeah, I don't think it, I, I wouldn't prioritize it. Um, I think Mitch Robinson is relatively adequately paid. I think, you know, he's yeah. when he's healthy and, and playing well, um, he's obviously a major contributor. We saw his, you know, the, what he brings to the table in the Cleveland series when he played arguably the best basketball of his career. And then we saw the flip side um, when Bam Adebayo thoroughly outplayed him um, in the Miami series. Um, and as noted, you know, it's, it, which is kind of what we all know, there's, there's, you know, there's, he's a limited kind of lane um, in, in terms of how we can impact the game. Um, the fact that his free throw shooting continues to get worse three, four, yeah. five years into his career, obviously a concern. Um, the health injuries, uh, the, the, the durability concerns are, are, are still there. Um, if anything, you might be selling high now because, you know, you know, he's, he's able to get through a, a regular season relatively unscathed. It seems like the next, you know, two month injuries around the corner with, 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 wow. with Mitch Rob at all times, the flip side of the coin is, um, you know, what you're getting in him. Um, you know, he, you know, he, he fits in the current roster construct because you never have to run plays for him. Um, it, the best offensive rebounder in the league, there is solid terrific value there um in, in, in that specific skill so um but there's also guys comparable to him you know uh, nick claxton and jared allen and clint capella and these these guys are i don't want to say he's imminently replaceable um but you can get the kind of those high-flying athletic centers um you know uh you, you, they're out there uh, maybe not in the same class as mitch rob but um you know there's the, 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 that type of thing as well 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think that it's not something that I I would be saying, hey, we got to get him out of New York. Like, like you can't win with Mitchell Robinson. Like, right. he, he, I mean, he helped them. He was one of the most important players in that first series against Cleveland. His ability to yep. dominate the class and dominate Jared Allen was one of the reasons why the Knicks were able to dominate the Cleveland Cavaliers. So uh, I'm not necessarily looking to shop Mitchell Robinson. I do think that some of his deficiencies, you know, were, were clear as day in that series against the Miami Heat. The fact that you don't have a five that can stretch the floor was that right. allowing the Heat to clog the paint and play a lot of zone. Um, the fact that he's such a bad free throw shooter at times allowed the Heat to just foul him endlessly in the series to avoid uh, easy baskets. So he, he has some holes in his game. He has some weaknesses. And, and I think that's something that the Knicks will have to um, – consider when they come into this offseason they say hey when we look at other options is there a better fit potentially at the five even if we lose a little bit of defense even if we lose a little bit of rebounding but maybe we get a more reliable score a more reliable uh floor spacer like i think all of these things are on the table but i think mitch played too well in that cleveland series to just say okay it's time for him to, to get out of here now if you're telling me you have a, a clear option that is a better option then i would have no problem getting rid of him but but right now I would say that I would I would pump the brakes on necessarily shopping Mr. Robinson if that makes sense. Agreed. Um, and I, I, there's no reason to, you don't have to be motivated to do it. But the other thing to keep in mind is Isaiah Hardenstein can fill in at center as well. So there's, yeah. there's other options. There as well. And that's kind of why I think I can see the Knicks looking around and saying, "Hey, you know," and then you know, this GM said that there really is a market market for Mitch, which is not that surprising but that maybe he could be an asset in a trade for a star. I can see the Knicks doing that. I can see the Knicks saying, hey, Isaiah Hardenstein showed that he could do the job as a starting center. If you do get a star in here um, and you downgrade slightly with Isaiah Hardenstein as your starter and maybe Jericho Sims comes in, now he's your backup, I can see the Knicks doing that. And that's why this Eastern Conference GM said what he said. And and that's something I think is on the table. But but I, I do think that if you're talking about just saying, hey, who wants Mitchell Robinson? What can we get for him? I think that uh, the Knicks, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily be willing to just throw that out there. That would be a, a different conversation. Agreed. I think that's a good place to leave it, though. So that's going to do it for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods. Thank you guys so much for checking this out. Of course, this is a WFAN Odyssey original, a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. We'll uh, have more episodes for you guys next week, so make sure you hit that auto-download feature to know when we release those episodes. And also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. You can check us on the Odyssey Sports and the WFBN channel. Tommy, let people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, actually EJ on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you guys again so much for checking us out. Tommy, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace. <laughs>